her strength, her humanity and her guarded humour. How did she fight? She fought well. I hope someday to be able to look the public in the face as Louisa Lawson, not as the mother of a man. For somebody to please build a statue. Louisa Lawson is a daughter of Mudgee who deserves to be celebrated. Hi, I'm Jess Scully and welcome to another episode of More Than a Mother, my ever-expanding love letter to Louisa Lawson. On this episode, I'd like to decompress a little bit of the information over the last couple of episodes. We had some very special guests join us here on the pod. Deputy Leader of the Nationals Party and Senator for New South Wales, Perrin Davey, and spokesperson for the Australian Republic Movement and dead set legend, Adam Spencer. But I really wanted to acknowledge up front a really important date in Louisa's story. August 12, 1920, 103 years ago this week, Louisa passed away. And as tragic as it is to know that she has passed, the body of work, passion and legacy she's left behind is everlasting and it's alive and well in the hearts of Australians today. A way I've been commemorating this milestone this week is through something that I did mention briefly in my chat to Perrin Davey. A couple of weeks ago, while I was uploading one of the episodes of the podcast, I received a voicemail on the app from a lady by the name of Donna Benjamin. Donna went on her own crusade to make Louisa's legacy lasting. In 2011, she organised a crowdfunding campaign called Digitise the Dawn, which successfully raised funds to pop the dawn up on Trove. So I've been reading a lot of the dawn in the last week. I will try and get Donna on the podcast because I love her moxie and I'm sure Louisa would have as well. But also she has saved me so much time, energy and effort of having to go all the way down to the National Library in Sydney. I can just jump on truth. So it would be really awesome if I could thank her in person. A little bit later in the podcast, I'm going to go back to August 1893, 130 years ago, and grab out a couple of little excerpts to share. But I highly recommend you jump on Trove yourself and just have a little squeeze because Louisa's advice, much like her causes she fought for, are evergreen. It's been a big month here for More Than a Mother. You might notice on the episode art that we're now sporting a nice little winner sticker. And this little pod here has been announced as the judge's choice in the significant other category at the Radio Today Podcast Awards for 2023. Really cool to know that Headley Thomas won the major version of that category and we won the indie. So I really want to say thank you for your support of the podcast and hopefully this is the start of many awards for Louisa. It's a shame that it had to come 103 years after we lost her. I also want to just point out that it's a little funny that Louisa, the woman who didn't want to be the mother of a man, the wife of a man, Reduced to something other than her name, her podcast has one significant other. She's the significant only, thank you very much. Nevertheless, I'm eternally grateful for the support that I have had for the podcast, whether it is from people who are as big as Perrin Davey or Adam Spencer saying yes to be on the podcast, for you, the listeners, and the buzz around it. Because I love Louisa, and from the moment I heard her story, I felt robbed from not getting to know more about this lady. And I'm starting to feel like we've started a bit of a cult here at More Than A Mother, which is A-OK with me. 
because I can't help but force people to know every little detail about her when I talk about Louisa. She was so incredible and she was so ahead of her time. In my chat with Perrin Davey, we spoke a lot about grandmothers. Perrin's grandparents ran the Mudgy Guardian, who in modern times are giving a lot of support to this podcast. So I have a big thank you that goes to Ben Palmer for that. But Perrin was blown away looking back on her grandparents' relationship to know that her grandmother was an equal partner in decisions of the business, which seemed so ahead of its time. But it was also many decades after Louisa had passed away. And Louisa was a woman that was running businesses and raising her children and a strong lady who had this sense of right and wrong. And what was wrong for her, she was going to make sure she'd set it straight. Where this street came from, I don't know. And if it was at all possible for me to just sit down and have a cup of tea with Louisa and ask her all of these questions, I would give anything for that. But looking back on the episodes that we've had here on the podcast, every person that hears about Louisa is blown away. She was running a farm. She was running a post office. She was raising her kids and it was all tough. But she was also inventing things and playing pranks and writing poetry. Then... Then she decided that she would move as a single mother to Sydney and start over, which is incredibly scary for anyone to do, let alone someone in the 1800s. And something that I don't think I realised the first time I read Richard Hanley's That Mad Louisa is that when Louisa left Mudgee, it is the first time she'd been on that side of the mountains. We're only about three and a half hours from the coast here in Mudgee, but We have a different climate. We have a different landscape. We have different customs. We have different people. The idea that Louisa moved to the city, which absolutely was not muddy back in those days, is insane to me. But you've got to be the change you want to see. And she was. Her perseverance and ability to see the big picture in itself is a superpower. In my chat with Michael Burke, he was talking about the fact that Louisa was both patient and ambitious, and she knew the right balance to strike to achieve what she needed to do. Because sometimes when you're too patient, things don't happen because you don't act. If you're too ambitious, sometimes you're a little bit too headstrong and people get off side. Louisa knew what needed to be done and bided her time effectively. Let's go into the dawn. In news and notes on Tuesday, August 1, 1893. This is the August edition. Miss Agnes Mary Clark, an Irish woman at a meeting of the Royal Institute in London this spring, was awarded a prize of 100 guineas for her work on astronomy, a popular history of astronomy during the 19th century and the system of the stars. Women celebrating women. Seeing a lot of that at the moment, especially with the Women's World Cup, turns out that the whole of Australia is behind the women's team. And isn't it just beautiful to see The Matildas getting the celebration that I've never seen for the Socceroos. And that's not me throwing shade at the Socceroos, but isn't it bloody awesome to see Australia stop with our hearts in our throats to cheer on the gals? I don't think Louisa strikes me as a sport person, but I think she'd be a Matildas fan. Another excerpt in News and Notes. Mrs Fenwick Miller, the only woman ever nominated as a Fellow of the English Society of Journalists and a leader writer in the Illustrated London News, is in attendance on the Congresses at Chicago. Mrs Miller graduated in 1873 with honours from the Women's Medical College of London, but drifted into journalism during her tenure of office as a member of the London School Board. She's the wife of Frederick L. Ford, 
but is known professionally by her own name. Long live Mrs. Fenwick Miller. Got some feminism for you right now. I particularly love the expression when somebody asks why would a woman not want to take her husband's name when they get married. The complexities of marriage and its historical connotations aside, I love the response of, I already have a name. Each to their own relationship. But I love Mrs. Fenwick Miller for being known professionally by her own name in 1893. What a champion. Some more news from August 1893. At the usual monthly meeting of the Leichhardt Womanhood Suffrage League, held at 5 Marlborough Street on July 10th, Mrs Sanger Evans delivered an address on legal disabilities of women, after which, in answer to some questions about sericulture, she gave an outline of the plans proposed by the Cooperative Silk Growing Association, now in course of formation, by which it is hoped to provide suitable and profitable work for a great number of women and also to add largely to the future wealth production of the colony. Bit of local news in the dawn. We then head across to the US. The Boston's Women's Journal, April 22nd, said women's suffrage achieved a victory in Kansas last week that may well form a new point of departure. The election day was not only the most enthusiastic ever known in the annals of the state, but it was the most quiet, most orderly and dignified. About 30% of the total vote was cast by women. It is estimated that 85% of all the women entitled to suffrage cast their ballots. As a sign of the times, this event is entitled to serious consideration. I just got goosebumps reading that one. Yeah, the girls. Now we're going to hear from Mrs. Jane Cobden Unwin, who says her experience as a member of the county council convinced her that women are needed on county councils and that their services are especially useful in the supervision of baby farms and lunatic asylums and in the Committee on the Housing of the Poor. Celebrating Miss Anna Hude in the next one, Miss Anna Hude of Copenhagen has just received the degree of Doctor of Philosophy. She's the first woman in Denmark to do so. Miss Hughes is a gifted and energetic young lady. She made history her chief study, passed her examination in 1882, and in 1888 received the gold medal of Copenhagen University for an essay on a disputed historical point. And for the past three years, she's had a charge of the historical department of the Danish Royal Archives. I know we've talked a lot about Louisa educating people on the laws, women with tips and tricks, as well as children with schooling and education. But the idea that she felt it was newsworthy to include these stories from around the world to essentially make the women of Australia global citizens from the comfort of their own home is really quite remarkable. And I think it would have been an easy task to regurgitate stories from England that have come through from the colony news, where Louisa has specifically gone looking for these stories so that her readers are richer for knowing what is happening in the world to women just like them. Why couldn't a housewife in Ballarat also get a doctorate of philosophy? Let's grab an abstract from the Scottish leader. Okay, we abstract the following from the Scottish leader. June 13, 1893, that's my brother's birthday, but moving on. The bill introduced Dr. Clark to abolish the franchise disabilities of women has been issued to members tonight. The provisions are very brief, are as follows. In all acts of parliament relating to the right to vote at parliamentary, municipal, local and other elections, words unfooting the masculine gender shall be deemed to include women. No woman shall be subject to legal incapacity from voting at such elections by reasons of curvature. And the last little bit from news and notes of the August edition of The Dawn. 
an extract from Miss Mary Windy's letter, Chicago. If that name sounds familiar, go back and listen to the episode with Peter Windia, who discovered upon his research of this woman who his Rotary Club were building a statue of, he found his own family tree branch was a good friend of Louise's. Mary Windia wrote, I cannot convey to you the courtesy and charms of these women leaders. From Aunt Susan, the general, Susan B. Anthony, to the youngest typewriter, everyone in the Congress has been kindness itself. As I waited after presenting my letters, the beauty of the building rushed upon me. The great names shone with the added lustre of combination and the golden letters were dimmed as one thought of the inspiriting, ennobling influence they would have upon numbers of women. On Wednesday, May 17th, I read to about 500 people the report of the week of the Womanhood Suffrage League of New South Wales and matters relating to the qualification of electors and married women's purchases. The reading took about 20 minutes. We had lovely music at Mrs. Potter Palmer's reception in the assembly room of the Women's Building. Imagine the battle hymn, a five soprano singing in good voice, everyone motionless, and then a thousand people standing and singing the chorus. It's a pleasant fact for women that their building at the opening of the World's Fair was in a better state of readiness than any other. It set a good example. It's really cool to have this snapshot of what the world was like from the dawn. I highly recommend you go through and read any of the editions of the dawn because you will learn things. There's also a really cool recipe page in that edition that there's about five of them that I want to try. And I think Louisa may have settled whether they're called a potato scallop or potato cake because she's definitely called a scallop a cake in this. And there's many things that I agree with Louisa on. So maybe she might have convinced me that they're called potato cakes. All of the dawn is full of really cool stuff like that. But what I really love about that news and notes page is that we get a perfect snapshot of what the world looked like. And it's really cool to think about Australian women in their kitchens, getting their kids off to school and reading this and knowing that change is coming. To hear about the peace that was happening at the Kansas elections, that's just ammunition for the women to say, well, we do it better. To hear about steps taken by the Suffrage League anywhere in the world... It's just gathering stones. In 1893, we were less than 10 years away from getting the right to vote in Australia. And Louisa was making sure that the women of Australia were ready for battle. That's all I've got time for for this week's episode of More Than a Mother. But I really hope you'll join me for the next one. If you'd like to get in touch, there is a Q&A function on this episode on Spotify, if that's the platform you're listening through. If you liked this episode, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts or just rate on Spotify. If you'd like to follow me, you can do that at Jedicar on Instagram, Twitter and threads. Thanks for your company this week. I'll catch you on our next episode. See ya. Love ya. Bye. 